When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Iron Horse is in. It's Gary Sharp. Sharpie for Sheriff, uh, says Rick. Gary, good to spend Whoa. time this morning, man. How you doing? Good. I, I don't know that I have enough time or I would want to be in that line of work as a sheriff, but well, let's go. Thank uh, you, let's Rick. go. Let's keep with the mafia theme. You know, uh, Al Capone's brother, I think, was a sheriff in Nebraska. Really? Small town Nebraska. I think I, I had read that somewhere. Al, Changed Al, his name. Such an upstanding Al- family. Hey, Al Capone, as a uh, younger Gary Sharp, gave me blue balls. What? Mm, huh? What? Do you guys not remember? Well, Can we Elijah, you're too young. Trudy, <laughs> you might remember this. Uh, you remember when Geraldo Rivera? Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, wa- he opened the I watched vault. it as a little kid, and I was, like, enamored, and I was, like, so excited, and then it was such a letdown. Big time. Yeah. Uh, Henry Hill lived in North Platte for a while before okay. he did it again. All right. Our dear friend John Baylor uh, had his midday show, and I, I got, we got Henry Hill on on John's show. <laughs> uh, and, and and he didn't say the f word, which shocked us. We had no delay system, <laughs> so John Baylor's talking with Henry Hill, uh, and, and Henry's wife comes in and says. We we need because he had the he was at the Firefly out yeah. in North Platte, so he's slinging pizza and other things allegedly. Uh, and 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 here's like, can't you see I'm doing an interview? I mean, it was it was like that's all you know the, the scene from Goodfellas. That's all we had, Karen. You know, yeah. it's all the it's all the money we had, Karen. So. Hey Elijah, how long did you last on the floor the other night? Uh, not too long. Less than five minutes. I got my fun in for the Purdue one. This was strictly for work, going down there and getting footage and, and video. You know, I know. I, hey, I, I saw. I saw good, good, good content. <laughs> See, I was. Well, I, just... uh, I had to be careful because uh, down on the floor, uh, it was a real mosh pit. It was more of a mosh pit this time with the students being down there. There were really, really yeah. all ages down on the floor this time, but I had to make sure to watch myself to be careful. Um, I'm not the the young man I used to be, so I didn't want any injuries in a court storming. I'll like Caitlin, Caitlin Clark. <laughs> Elijah, you're you're still six four, dude. I'm not worried about you taking one on the chin. I'm I'm worried about you I going, am. you know, hurting villagers. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm worried about you just throwing, you know, Will Ferrell bathrobe, just throwing people out of the way. Uh, that route Sharpie. It was incredible Thursday. You've seen a ton of Nebraska basketball. We were talking with Vogues a little bit about what February holds and do you, are you buying it? And I'm not talking Nebraska's magic at home. I'm saying, is this the win that actually gets him to turn the corner and, and have PBA, whatever's bottled up there, travel at least once or twice this month to get that elusive road win um possibly 
So it's so wild how much different they are at home compared to the road and that impact of the crowd. Uh, there is no doubt. If anybody wonders around the country about the passion of Nebraska fans, just look at the crowd on Thursday night. That crowd helped Nebraska. Fred Hoiberg oh, might have peeled some paint and said, uh, guys, wake up. And it you know, didn't instantly click when they came out of the locker room, but then, it, then they started to, to make a comeback. But that crowd willed that team to get in the game and then once Wiltshire hit the three, that's when I thought, okay, this might happen when he made it 50 to 49. Um, the problem with Nebraska is this, they have the same problems at home that they do on the road when it comes to athleticism. They have some lineups that are bad matchups, and they also have the tendency to turn the basketball over. So those things don't really leave them. They kind of get clouded over at home because they play with a different type of energy and dog mentality at home. Here's what I'd like to see on the road, and tomorrow's going to be difficult, really, really difficult, is you just want to see them play a game where they communicate. They close out on the perimeter. They played really great perimeter defense in the second half. Um, And and they don't go into these lulls where they have these long scoring droughts and they have these head-scratching decisions. So I just want to see them play good basketball. And there's enough games on the road schedule that are left that they can do that, and and they're going to be better than the team they're playing. It's just they're going to be underdogs the next two games on the road. But not many teams in the country have a Purdue and a Wisconsin win on their resume. Nebraska is one of the best 68 teams in the country. That's what I say. So they have to find a way to not play themselves out of the tournament because I think they're in the tournament now. It's just are they an 8-9 seed or are they a let's go to Dayton you know, team. We'll, we'll get yeah. into your expectations for these these next two road games here in just a second, Gary. But you mentioned the impact of the home crowd. I want to get you. You're an, you're an Omaha guy. I want to get your reaction to how the crowd treated Chucky Hepburn and how they've treated Chucky Hepburn for years. Well, what is your thoughts well, on that? Well, so so you remember two years ago, um, Chucky had lost a member, uh, a close uh, person in his life, and as a freshman, the Nebraska crowd treated him really well. I, I think I asked the question on my show. If you are booing Chucky, are you booing him because he's the best player or are you booing him because he didn't come to Nebraska? If, he did, if you're booing him because he didn't come to Nebraska, then we have to have some speaks and we're going to have some reality of what the situation was, and that's ridiculous. If you're booing him because he's the best player and that's what you do, okay. You know, do, do what you got to do and then go, dang, that guy is slicing and dicing us in the first half. But then Chucky and the rest of Wisconsin kind of uncharacteristically had a meltdown in the second half. Um you know, I, I think there's there's a lot involved here. It's who's booing. I, I, I didn't get really caught up in it. You know, I don't think it was as big a thing this year as it was last year. Because last year it seemed to turn into like a controversy. This year you knew it was coming right when he walked in the building. And he's handled it well. I'm mm-hmm. sure it bugs him a little bit, but also drives him. He's a hell of a competitor. And I'll tell you what, I would take Chucky Hepburn on my, t- on my team any day that ends in Y. Well, and you never say never. Just just put Chucky on Nebraska, and we're not talking about bubble. I mean, they're missing point guard play. Well, yeah, and that, that just that consistent point guard play, or that guy yeah. that's a, you know, that's a, a dog when you need somebody to get a bucket, that alpha on the floor. And, and fortunately for Nebraska on Thursday night, they had all of a sudden a lot of those guys come together, whether it be Williams or Wiltshire or Rinkmast or, you know, a guy that I, I think has been such a key to this run of what, 21 and seven over the last 28, is Fred's son. Yes. I mean, Sam is a difference. I, I, I wondered, I think we talked on the show maybe a month ago, do you, do you maybe insert Sam into the starting lineup and let him play point a little bit and see what happens? I think you still keep, keep, keep 
bringing him and Wiltshire off the bench because they bring some instant energy. And just because they're on the bench doesn't mean they can only be like 20-minute guys. You could be on the bench and come in and play 35 minutes. But I think Sam Hoiberg is really kind of the epitome of that team, and he's, he's a difference maker when he comes into the game. And you saw that on Thursday night. Man, he had a key steal. He had three points, four assists. He was just everywhere. He is that dog, and he's probably that dog also, guys, that keeps in a game like that where you got to get some stops and string them together. He keeps Kese Tominaga off the floor. He's the difference when it came to to how that. I mean, not offensively, but just from a from a mentality, yeah. and and also they needed to get better defensively. Yeah, and, and that gives you a little help defend, uh, rebounding wise too. I mean, he, yeah. he he is he is big time difference maker, and he's shown up. He he has absolutely shown up in their big games. Yeah, the problem, and and you guys, I, I know talked about this yesterday. You know, when your five best offensive players aren't your five best defensive players, it can be a little bit rough. And you know, Hoiberg comes in, and he's not one of your top five offensive players, but he's definitely one of your top five defensive players. So you have to make a move with your your lineup against Wisconsin, I got to get my 5D out there. We're going more for D, but we're hoping that we'll get a spark offensively. And I like when, you know, I think Fred Fred in the second half pushed the right buttons on his rotation and who was playing because Williams and Mass never left the floor. And then Wiltshire never left the floor. Look what happened last Saturday at Maryland. We went, why is C.J. Wiltshire not playing? Why is he, he's the only guy scoring in the first half. Why all of a sudden is he back on the bench? Well, Gary, if you would have gone back two years ago and told me that it'd be Sam Hoiberg and CJ Wiltshire, the two guys that would be keeping Casey Tomanaga off the floor. I would have gotten you into an asylum. Like the, the, the <laughs> development of both of those guys has been astounding. I think is, is a credit to, to Hoiberg with CJ, just getting his shot selection to a place that Husker fans could deal with and uh, being a positive coming off the bench and Hoiberg, the energy and, and I mean uh, the yep. activity he brings off the bench Two years ago, he's a, a feel-good story, kind of like Izzo's kid at Michigan State, where you think the whole student section is going to go insane anytime he gets in the game. And now it's you're saying, thank God, never Sam Hoiberg goes to the scorer's table. Yeah. Hey, isn't it wild that if Bandamil and Gary don't get hurt last year, we don't see the full impact of Sam Hoiberg or Casey Tominaga? And especially Hoiberg, who all of a sudden started playing more minutes, and you realize, man, what an asset to this team. Um, I think with C.J., you know, if, if anybody says, hey, Fred, uh, bring your playbook, let's talk, he should bring Wiltshire with him and go, I'm a development program as well. Because C.J. has kind of, you know, ridden the roller coaster and been the punching bag of the fan base because he, he, would, be, he would be the guy on the floor that took bad shots in a moment where they needed good shots, and it was C.J.'s fault. And he got banished to the bench. And there were times where he was sulking last year. And then you wondered in the offseason if he was going to stick around. And he decided to stick around. They found a role for him, which is, you know, I think, I think Fred's done a better job in the last couple of years communicating with his roster on what we need out of you. And this is where you're going to be. Um, he has also developed with CJ. I, I think, guys, he knows what a good shot is compared to a bad shot. Like, I'm not going to shoot at the beginning of a shot clock, a corner pocket three. I'm going to let the offense develop, and if I get a good look, I'm going to take it. And I think that's the biggest growth that I've seen. I mean, he was on a heater, man. He was, for the last two games, he has shot the ball exceptionally well. But if you want to go back really over, like, the last 11 games, he's been one of the better shooters in the Big Ten. There's no doubt he's the sixth man of the year because what do you need out of a sixth man? You need him to come off the bench, give you a spark, 
give you some scoring, not hurt you on the other end if that's not their forte. And he's done exactly that. Well, Gary, you talk about the here he's on. I hit on this on the show yesterday. In Big Ten play, I almost 50% from three. I think the number's 47%. Yeah. Almost 60% from the field, and he hasn't missed a free throw. Iron Horse with us, Gary Sharp. Weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. To your point about good shot, think about that that bucket he hit to tie it at 52. Yep. He didn't force a, a fadeaway corner. He drove baseline mid-range. It wasn't a three, but he got a better shot versus a a, a tough shot. And, and and then he was still heat checking a little bit, but he was on such a such a scorcher it, it went down. But that was that was incredible. And we were talking a little bit about just atmosphere and moments with uh, with Thursday night, Gary. Uh, where does where does that one kind of show up w- over the the Husker landscape? I mean, you and I both. I remember bumping into you, uh, you know, before at a tailgate, Nebraska Miami, twenty fourteen football, yeah. like the blood in the water at Memorial Stadium all game long. How awesome Amir was, right? Like just yeah. different different level. So that's always kind of up there for me as far as just how amped. The, the the joint was and the 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 fans and and how they really willed thursday night along with uh, nebraska's second half will always be there for me uh, against wisconsin yeah are those kind of your two pillars when we talk uh and, and yeah, uh, get into baseball too i mean there's yeah, some so baseball. i i think i think of course no sit sunday will always be number one you you okay. We always talk about, hey, let's do this again. You can never replicate that day at Pinnacle Bank Arena in 2014. I mean, that's one of the most amazing sporting events that I've ever been involved with. Um, of course, Thursday night is right up there. I'll tell you another one that stands out. You remember the Iowa game at the end of the regular season when Nebraska had a crazy comeback and Thor was dealing? This was, yeah, I think it was 2019. Um that the Pinnacle Bank Arena was not, I don't think it was sold out that day because it was a Sunday afternoon against Iowa. That place was rocking. Um, but you alluded to the, the Miami uh, Nebraska game. That was a, that was a game where the stadium was upside down. It's just, it's a, it's a different, it's a different mindset Memorial stadium to Pinnacle Bank Arena, um, you know, on, on, on your obligation or how you digest it. You know, we all, we all go to both venues. We kind of cover Nebraska football like it's our job. We cover Nebraska basketball like it's our outlet. That's fair. You know? That's fair. Now, I want to throw I want to throw a couple of baseball ones in there. This is going back a little bit. Um, the the clincher for the super regional to go to the College World Series the first time against Rice at Old Buck Belcher Field. That was an amazing scene. You remember the clincher against Miami in 05 to go to the College World Series. The, yeah, that was big. At Haymarket Park. And then I'll even stay with the College World Series in 05, even though it didn't go Nebraska's way. That Arizona State game was wild. Gurch's bomb. Yeah. And then, and then you had, you know, you want to you expand to volleyball. You had two of the, the loudest moments this season with Volleyball Day in Nebraska. And then you have the Wisconsin match at the Devaney Center. Yeah. No, that's that's right there. Sharpie going to go to football here as spring balls around the corner. Uh, lots anticipated on offense. How can Nebraska make a move to a competent offense, consistent offense? But I want to get your take on on the defense and 
Tony White's back. You got a lot of dudes back, and you had nice success with some young guys on top of that rotation where multiple guys were getting snaps. So all that's coming back great, but what do you anticipate from a response from the Big Ten uh, against the three-three-five? You, you, first time you saw Tony White, first time you saw this three-three-five. It was year one. How do offenses adjust? Can, can Nebraska's defense be as good in year two uh, with a little bit more film out there on them? And that's a great question. I, you know, and it's interesting when you talk to guys on Nebraska's offense and they talk about going against that defense because they did a lot of one-on-one where Nebraska ran their normal defense against Nebraska's normal offense. And, and guys on offense, I remember Ethan Piper saying, it was difficult. You, you know, it was like a numbers game and you had to figure out where everybody was and you're trying to figure out your assignments, but also what the guy in front of you or the guy behind him is going to do. <laughs> so it was, it was a transition. I think, you know, some teams that have good coordinators and good coaches will adjust um, and also are a little bit veteran so that maybe they've seen it for the first time. You know, there's not a, a plethora of teams are playing the 3-3-5, but there's a little bit more of those looks. And Nebraska wasn't always a true 3-3-5 throughout the year. Right. It's just It comes down to what's the game plan you have to build yourself the best advantage, whether you're a true 3-3-5 or you're playing – you know, a, a, a three, four, four, whatever, you know, Nebraska's variation. I think it's just guys simply getting better in year two at their job, whether okay. it be their stamina, whether it be their technique, whether it be their angles to go for tackling. Um, so I think Nebraska is going to be fine there. I think it helps that they're older. I also, guys, I think it's going to be extremely competitive during spring ball because if you look at their three levels of how they have their scholarships distributed, uh, distributed, Man, there's going to be – it's like Survivor Island. This will be a very intense spring on the defensive side of the ball for guys that are backups or third string or kind of new to the situation. I mean, I think it – I mean, do we really think that all of those defensive backs are going to stick around after May? Especially if you've been here for a couple of years. I mean, they got a lot of defensive backs, and not everybody's going to play. And they've got a lot of good ones that are on their way that are going to be freshmen in the fall. Any guys that they could move up a level? I ask that because of the perceived razor-thin uh, linebacker spot. I mean, you've got some guys that are back, but you've got some unknowns. Yeah, I'd, off the top of my head right now, I don't think so. That, that hybrid? No, yeah, like nobody fills the role of Gifford right away um, right. or Wright or those kind of uh, guys that you say, hey, that guy is moving up. Um you know, I, I think they'll experiment a little bit in the spring to see if there's any of those guys. Because you're right, they have to build some depth at, at linebacker. Um, but I think they're going to let the defensive backs play out, you know. They, they've got, they got a lot of guys that were in, like, last year's recruiting class that redshirted, and now it's time to see where your place is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, Evan Cooper is going to have a good spring, like figuring out who his is, who is top four are, but also who is somebody that's not going to play. And then maybe they find, you know, they're into the portal in May. It's it, the, the across the board. I'm telling you, I, I've been saying this for a while. Nebraska's in a really good spot with spring because essentially their roster is here. They will start spring football and that will basically look like your 2024 Nebraska Cornhuskers, except for, you know, a handful of freshmen that will show up in June. And most of those freshmen that are showing up, either they're probably not going to play because because uh, physically they have to develop or they have good enough football IQ that when they walk on campus, 
they're not going to be just snowed under by information and the whole experience. Gary, the, the biggest question to you with the 2024 Husker defense is what? And then kind of as a follow-up to that, do you think we can get that answered during spring football? And you kind of hit on that with the defensive back room. I'm also talking linebacker. The only spot that I think you're really set in stone is that interior defensive line with, with Nash and Ty. There are some moving pieces, but we've seen a lot of these guys before, and I think we have a pretty good idea of what this defense is going to be. With that in mind, what's the biggest question? Can this defense uh, turn the football over? Mm. Can they go get turnovers? Can they rush the passer? Those would be the two. And then they might go hand in hand when you rush the passer and speed up a quarterback. He throws a pick in an area that he had no intention of throwing it there. I, I think the big thing this year will be, can the defense give Nebraska's offense extra possessions? That's fair. Mm-hmm. On the offensive side, we were talking quarterbacks with Bogues a little bit earlier and uh, Glenn Thomas making his offer to uh, Madden, Emmy Ala. All the lava. You almost had it. Yeah, I, I, I was two for two in the first hour. Okay, Emmy all the lava. There we go. Bang. Uh, Madden, uh, his first name. Nico, his brothers. You know, going to be a phenom at, at Tennessee. It has looked good, and uh, Nebraska able to make that offer out there. They're targeting uh, Duff in St. Louis. Zollers, of course, out of Pennsylvania, and Maskey committing to Iowa State this week. Yep. So that was a, a target. The Nebraska was on early and, and lost to Coach Campbell. All that said, you know what? What do you see with this uh, th- this quarterback recruiting uh, philosophy here from from Glenn Thomas? Go after uh, the, the best of the best. I mean, that's what they're doing here, and they've they've got uh, one that they're they're proud of, uh, of course, on campus now. They get standing O's when he walks into PBA, and has his own private security. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, before Dylan Riola uh, committed to Nebraska, they loved Alex Mansky. Like, they think Alex Mansky will be in the NFL. And that's a very good pickup for Iowa State. Iowa State moved everything into the middle to get him, to keep an in-state ki- kid home. I mean, they brought their entire coaching staff to his basketball game earlier in the week. That's a big pickup for Iowa State. I really like that quarterback. Um, but it seemed like, you know, Nebraska couldn't couldn't move it along after he came in October, even though they tried. So they immediately do the pivot to Dylan Duff down in St. Louis, and all the offensive staff shows down shows up down there. It is important that Nebraska gets a quarterback in twenty five. Um, they're not ready to use Dylan Riola as a recruiter in terms of hey, we got an elite quarterback. Look what we've done with him. So right. we can do it with you. But they do need a, a quarterback in the class of twenty five, and I like their aggressiveness. Um, you know, we, we still don't know exactly what this offense is going to look like because I think Glenn Thomas is going to take a lot of input and he's going to see what the strength of Riola is before they they put in a deep dive into this is what we can do on offense. Um, but most of these quarterbacks they're offering are the same kind of guys that are not athletes playing quarterbacks and guys that have big boy arms. I really think that moving forward, Nebraska and the receiving core are going to find guys that are quote-unquote track guys, but stretch the field vertically, and they just need a quarterback that can help them when they stretch it vertically. So that's kind of I see a pattern with the offers that they're making, but I like their aggressiveness. I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to see how much involvement Glenn Thomas has as a recruiter. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know initially if that's the most important thing. His, his most important thing is the guys that are on campus to develop them, but 
you know, they pivoted right away, and we'll see. I, I, I'd, I'd like them to have a quarterback at some point before spring ball is over for the class of 25. And then we all kind of think, man, you'd like them to have a quarterback for the team of 24 uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Gary, whenever you talk about what this offense looks like in, in 2024, we don't really know as the, the coaching carousel kind of reaches the tail end, at least from what we can expect right. in both college and the NFL. Are we still on Holgerson watch? Yeah, you know, so here's what here's what I was told. Um, as Dana left Houston and, you know, got involved with Nebraska, he kind of wanted to just chill for a bit. You know, it, it, that's you're coming down from getting fired as a head football coach, but he wants to stay in the game. I was always told February 1 was a, a time period to watch to see, you know, if, if Nebraska and Dana Holgerson could come together. So, honestly, I would expect here – in the next few days, um, if there's any news, it would come. But February 1 was a couple of people told me, watch that. That's kind of when Dana wants to, you know, whew, chill. And then he'll start to say, okay, I want to get back into football. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the interest was definitely mutual. You know, Nebraska, Nebraska said, hey, we don't have a, a title or anything, but we'd love for you to be part of the staff. And the, the response was similar. Um, it's just, you know, where, where is Dana at? But February 1 was always the time. So I would think in the next few days, if something's going to happen, yay or nay, it would happen, and you'd hear about it. I think uh, one thing that's appealing, if, if you're looking at this from, from Dana, is you look at the, the analyst position, and you're still getting paid by Houston, but also just Coach Rule's reputation for working with, with younger coaches yeah. and – You'd get Dana. You'd presumably look at a spot for his son uh, to, to come with him. And Rule's got a great track record of not only doing that, but also, uh, I mean, look look at the, the kind of the coaching tree Rule's had of, of guys that have been with him at, at, at all his stops. They started out young, and they've, uh, you know, been able to, to learn and, and get groomed quite a bit for whatever's next in their career. So I think that, that door – has got to be open not only for Dana but but his son because I think his kid wants to stay into that in in the coaching ranks. Well, I've been told that you know like Rule and Holgerson they get all nerdy when they talk. Like <laughs> they, they, they they talk a lot of the same language about programs, but you know I mean Rule Rule has has openly admitted that they need they need creativity on offense. And that's kind of why he's creative. That's why he's kind of drawn to Dana. So they want to pair they want to get better with the creativity on offense and they want to get better with coaches that can work with younger players. And so that's where Glenn Thomas comes in because the Steelers, why Glenn Thomas was in Pittsburgh is because they brought him there because Glenn Thomas's forte is working with young quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Okay. Quarterbacks that are, that need to be molded a little bit. And if you look at their situation in Pittsburgh, you have Kenny Pickett. He's still a young quarterback, even though he's in his, uh, what, third, third year in the NFL. Um, and so they say, hey, let's work with him, um, or actually his second year in the NFL. He's a guy that can work with. So, so you have that taken care of, and you know, then you, you start to bring in a guy that has some creativity. I, I think the one thing that Rule, I, I, Rule truly believes that their window to have success is open. Riola coming helps, but – he has worked very hard in the offseason to fill those holes, keep Tony White, keep, keep his entire staff in check, you know, so they have some continuity. And then where they've had a deficiency, 
to add to it, whether it be on or off the field. So he's he's a builder, and they're letting him build. And the more the more people in this program that can help you win and help you succeed Monday through Friday, so that Saturday is the easiest part of the week. I think that's what their intended goal is. I'm, I'm going to apologize and, in advance to, to Steelers fans before I say this. I think it's funny yeah. that Glenn Thomas was brought in to work with a young quarterback and Kenny Pickett, and then after a year he went, I'm out. Nah, nah, I can't do it anymore. No, not Kenny Pickett. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I, I think, you know, you kind of – Still time well, to turn the corner. Whether or not that's yeah. reality, I'm going to spin it that way. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. That, that'll make Steelers fans feel really good about their, their quarterback. And also, if you look at the, tw- uh, the 2022 NFL draft, uh, who is drafted in front of Bro- uh, Brock Purdy? A lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sharpie will wind down with this. The Iron Horse, Gary Sharp with us. So a couple of different interviews with Nebraska's interim president talking about athletics and academics shaking hands and that's always kind of been the the thought but not always been the reality and a couple of quotes from from Chattel and Mitch's stories this week about the the future of the the Big Ten and Nebraska's future in the Big Ten AAU and its importance was mm-hmm. talked about Nebraska needing to get back to that level as an AAU member but do you worry about uh Nebraska's place in the college football world uh, in the long term. We, we touch on this commission, as we call it, with the SEC and, and the Big Ten getting, getting together, right, to, to form this advisory committee. Well, we don't know, as the president's been quoted, saying what, what college football is going to look like the next five years, ten years. Yeah. Do you worry about Nebraska's place? Um. A little bit, but I will tell you, it's significant that they became a member of the $200 million club. Yes. I mean, I think moving forward, finances will be greater than geography in the college landscape. Now, that may come true not for another 10 to 15 years, but I think the finances are a big part of it. Um, you know, it's it's interesting that, that Trev and now the interim president, they have dropped breadcrumbs about, hey, Nebraska doesn't necessarily have a seat at the big boy table. We might have this passionate football program in a big stadium and we're thriving in a state of 1.9 million, but that doesn't guarantee anything. So let's make sure that we can guarantee success. So we're in the $200 million club. We're, we're, we're making strides to get back into the AAU so that Nebraska is protected. You know, Nebraska is still a strong brand. You guys look at the TV ratings and now that they they're in the $200 million club with Ohio state and Michigan. I think that says a lot. I, I think, Nebraska is positioned really well, but as you guys were talking with Brandon and you guys talked yesterday, man, it is, if you are not in the Big Ten or the SEC, it is scary right now. I mean, I look at the ACC. I look at the Big 12. The Big 12 releases their schedule earlier this week, and I was like, ooh, it's very underwhelming. It's like, oh, they got a bunch of flyover programs, you know, and you're looking, okay, where is our money at? And then back to the ACC. And you're thinking, all right, we don't have as much money as the big two. What are we doing? And then you have, and I think it's more of a Boston College thing, you have the head coach of Boston College leaves to go to be a D.C. at Green Bay. Again, I don't think it's a, you know, I think there's part of the the grind in the new era of coaching college football, but I also think that's more of a B.C. problem where Halfley was on the hot seat. B.C. doesn't have the funds to compete. And so, man, that D.C. job, when I've been in the NFL before, which is another caveat for Halfley. I'm going back to the NFL. If I'm BC, I'm like, 
man, can we compete? How can we compete with the Big Ten and the SEC? You can't. The, the, the last part of this, can you win? And sadly, can you be great TV? I mean, yeah. are, are you are you a matchup folks want to tune into? Yes, Nebraska still draws TV numbers. You look at Thursday night on BTN. Yeah. That, was, uh, that was awesome. It was a great advertisement. So can you do a couple of things? Can you compete? Can you win? Can you be a player in a playoff era, but uh, are you, are you doing something right? Are you, are you um, drawing the eyeballs and, and you still well, have, right. that, you still have point, that helmet ability, yeah. right? You're still a helmet game. Yeah. At one point though, you, you, you have to win. I mean, there, yes. that, that might not be number one at the top, but it's got to be in the top five is uh, okay. What do they bring to the table? Because, Nebraska's entry into the Big Ten in terms of football and winning has been completely underwhelming compared to the expectations when Jim Delaney and Tom Osborne were standing in downtown Lincoln in a building going, welcome to the Big Ten. <laughs> we, we Remember talked that about day? The, yeah. Oh, yeah, I was there. <laughs> we talked to the commission. It's cool. We, when you look was, back it, to that day, Gary, what does that tell you about Tom Osborne's foresight to be able to see the, the future of college football in the landscape? I don't think he was getting lucky now as I look back that, oh, he just happened to pick a conference that is going to rule college football 15 years down the road. What does it say about his foresight? Uh, I think he was protecting Nebraska. Yes. I, think, I, I think the one thing about T.O., he's always been in it for Nebraska. Um, you know, I, that, that's where I, I think it's important for the athletic director at Nebraska to be in it for Nebraska because that's who you are. Also, you want to you know, play well with the shield, but Nebraska is first and foremost. That's where Sean Eichhorst, Sean Eichhorst, crazy. He was always like, always putting the Big Ten ahead of Nebraska. Like instead of fighting for Nebraska's needs, it was like, okay, I guess this is best for the Big Ten. Well, if it's best for the Big Ten, that doesn't necessarily always mean it's best for Nebraska. I mean, you, you got quite the variation of programs in this conference, and I could never figure that out with him. Because, you know, the whole Black Friday thing, you know, you are the athletic director in Nebraska. You fight for Nebraska, for Nebraska's place at the table, for what is good for Nebraska. And then you try and meld those together. That's what I would say about T.O. T.O. saw what was going on with Texas, and he said, I got to do what's right for Nebraska so that we don't get caught. I mean, it's, it's really, it, it's, uh, it's a, one of, one of T.O.'s top moments in his affiliation with the University of Nebraska, mm. is having the foresight to get together with the right people to say, we got to do what's right for Nebraska. And look at this, guys. I mean, we, we sometimes clamor for those short road trips and our friends in the Big 12. We're not going back. No. And now we don't know what we're going to next down the road, what that looks like. But imagine being where Nebraska's at record-wise, still in the Big 12, and trying to jump up to this new yeah. seat that you need to be in with the Big Ten yeah. or the, um, the well, SEC. That's a great question for both of you guys. And, and we kind of got sidetracked here. If the Big Ten was expanding today and Nebraska was still in the Big 12, would Nebraska get a phone call? No. I mean, all things being equal, if, if they had fallen off a cliff record-wise and they're going four and eight, hell no. Yeah, it's 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 kind of it's they kind were of, winning. They yeah. got invite at least. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. So again, to add to Elijah's point, I mean, T.O. was in it for Nebraska, and that's what you should be. You know, I, you know, Matt Rule. Hey, this is what the Big Ten would like. Well, 
this is what Nebraska would, would like, and this is what's important to us because we're not created like Michigan and Ohio State. We'll play along, but, man, I'm, I'm, I'm in it for the end. Whatever is best for the end, and then we'll try and incorporate what helps the league as well. Well, here's another question. If, if Nebraska didn't leave for the Big Ten, would they be in the place that they are right now record-wise? In order to get a call. Now we're opened a whole can of worms and a whole hypothetical. Well, discussion. I mean, I think I think originally they would be in a better spot because they were they had a better knowledge of the Big Twelve. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, they were they were built to play in that conference. I don't know. It's it's along the way, just poor decisions that have been made in hiring and just the approach Turnover. that has probably limited Nebraska more than anything. Turnover's the word on the field and off, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Gene Smith is retiring in July, and he's he's one of you know he's been the athletic director at Ohio State since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's all about stability, um, and I think that's important moving forward for Nebraska across the board, whether it be sitting behind a desk or you know coaching a team. Sharpie, what do you got going this weekend? Any games you're calling? Uh, no, have the uh, weekend off. So, great slate of college basketball today. Today's awesome. Oh, it is fantastic. Have you got um, any locks for us, brother? You got uh, Houston, uh, KU. You've got you know uh, Carolina Duke tonight. I am, I am off the grid. I got, oh. I, you know, I had the exhilaration of the Nebraska game on Thursday, and then whatever that was in downtown Omaha last night, 98 or 99 98, Butler beating Creighton. I mean, Creighton's got to do a better job of helping Nebraska's net rankings. <laughs> well, K-State's got to step up Monday night uh, with, yeah. with, uh, with KU coming to town. So the, the, the long and short of this is Elijah and I are picking you up and we're taking you to the sports book <laughs> in an hour. <laughs> hey, did you guys think on February 3rd that both Nebraska and Creighton would have the same record? No. No, absolutely now, not. Now, not all records are created equal. I get that. But – Nebraska is 16 and 6 in basketball on February 3rd and in bracket matrix this morning they are a 9 seed in the NCAA tournament with with zero conference road wins but 6 and 0 at home and 6 and 0 against the spread. What a weird yeah. year. Don't tell me about being 6 and 0 against the spread. I felt that pain yesterday. Well, there were a lot of people Elijah. Schmitty, <laughs> there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, may have took Nebraska a point and a half. And then uh, at halftime, they were thinking, wow, that was a terrible decision. It, Never it, count out the power of PBA. No, mm. that's, that's absolutely true. Hey, I do need a prop, though, from both of you guys. Oh, and not really a prop, but a prediction, because I'm curious uh, to close on basketball. What does, uh, what does Kasey Tominaga look like tomorrow against Illinois on the road? He, I think it is it is go time for him. He need what I mean by that is he needs to to look like Purdue Tominaga. He needs to come out and 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 be that efficient and not hunt his shot, not take bad shots, not force it, and not have his arms crossed on the bench when he gets subbed yeah. out. For That's where I was going to go. I was going to say first time he gets subbed out, check out his body language on the bench. That'll tell the story. That might come down to. Does he hit his first couple shots or does he not? But the first time he gets subbed out, the first time C.J. Wilcher comes onto the floor, assuming there's not a change to the starting lineup, look at Casey Tominaga on the bench. Look at his body language. I think that'll tell the story of how the rest of his game goes. Let's talk yeah. motive. What's the motive? Is it get to the next level and I got to be the I got to be the showman? I got to be the star? Or I'm crossing my arms because I'm not helping my team? I, I can't. Yeah. Get into so I, I think he's got a he's got a. His, his shot is off a little bit. So there's something mechanical that is going wrong in his shot. 
he got benched on Thursday because he couldn't play defense. I mean, they, they couldn't have – you can't have him and Hoiberg on the floor at the same time because then it just develops mismatches. He got benched because of his defense, but I hated his body language. And as Elijah pointed out, there was one time um, on TV where they had Wiltshire and Tominaga side-by-side side on the bench, and you would have thought they were watching different games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a bad look. But I don't – you know, Fred's not thrown into the scrap heap. No. He knows how important he is. But Casey sometimes gets caught up in his feelings. And also, when Casey doesn't have the ball in his hands, because Nebraska doesn't have really that guard that gets downhill and can kick it out, Casey yeah. doesn't – all of a sudden he stops moving. Some of his best games this year is when he's back to that nonstop moving. He's coming around screens. He's cutting. He's curling. And he gets the ball, and it's a catch and shoot. I look at the Northwestern game, which ironically is probably the best game that he's had in the last four Yes, um, I think they move him right back out there. But if he can't play defense, I don't care if he's hitting, you know, three after three. If he can't play defense, man, he's going to have a hard time staying on the floor, especially in crunch time. And he, you know, he's he's sick of getting bumped and bruised and you know shouldered yeah. with his, with his cuts. And that and and that's where it comes to. Okay, maybe you don't have to have constant movement, but our guys getting him the ball. You know, the Rutgers game. At the end of regulation, they drew up some plays, especially for him. Mass just was slow in passing the ball or didn't pass the ball. You know, Mass was much better at moving the basketball around the other night. Um, I don't know. He's, he's one to watch because Nebraska needs him. Okay? Mm-hmm. They need that outside shooting for a team that doesn't consistently just bang three after three after three. And you never know, is Williams and Mass going to be the same that they were on Thursday night on the road? I'll just, I'll just be very curious on – his body language, of course, and then if he gets going early against uh, Illinois, because Nebraska is going to have to, they're going to have to find a way to keep their head above water to stay in that game. Because I think Illinois will come out just firing late Sunday. Student section place will be fired up. Illinois's got Shannon who has fit right back in, and they look like a juggernaut. You know, you don't want that game to go south. You know, too soon. Nebraska could could play their ass off and still lose by fifteen. <laughs> Yeah, defensively, energy and intensity-wise, and, and shoot like they did against Wisconsin and still get smoked. Yeah, but but you would say, okay, yeah. Not many, look. People, not many people are going to go into Champaign and win, but you're right. How did it look? That's the, that's the thing is, all right, does it look different from last Saturday against Maryland? Yeah, it's got to. It you looked know? like garbage against Maryland. It looked like garbage against Rutgers. Then you, you just didn't finish the job with Minnesota. Yeah, and, and they just didn't have any de- – Wisconsin, offensively, they were fine. They just had no answer defensively. I mean, Wisconsin didn't score 85 against any yeah. – you know, that, that's not them offensively. They looked like the freaking Showtime Lakers. 50-50 balls. You know, their, their athleticism yes. all of a sudden isn't going to get fixed. and it, it seems to get magnified on the road when guys are grabbing offensive rebounds, and they're going to have to rebound well. But the 50-50 balls, you know, you look at the, some of these road games, they haven't won those. What did they do on – Thursday night when they started to make a comeback. Any 50-50 ball, they were beating Wisconsin in the second half. It wasn't Hepburn that was on the floor or, or anybody else that was grabbing that offensive rebound that was up for fair game. They need, they need that tomorrow. Um, we'll watch and we'll, we'll go, oh, I guess Nebraska's not going to be in the tournament. But I think, I, think they've got a, I think they've got a place now. They just need not to play themselves out of the tournament. Sure. Sharpie will, uh, again, be up in an hour. Sportsbook roadie. Uh, for the weekend edition, I uh, hey, love it. I have yeah, one more thing. I know I'm no the good. one doing. Hey, one more. No, thing. no, 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 have, no. You're good. I got you nothing guys, better to do for the next six hours. Hey, <laughs> hey have you guys? Have you guys? So, um, 
Next Sunday, we're going to, you know, well, the Super Bowl, but Caitlin Clark comes to town and she could set the all time scoring record. Do you know, you, you guys ought to look at the props that are out there for when she's going to score her record setting point. There, there is, like, if you go to FanDuel, there is a list of props on Caitlin Clark for the Nebraska game next week. If that's, if she averages, what, 34.7 in the next two games, she'll have a chance to break it in Lincoln. Buddy Iowa Russ is going to that one, and he got in, I don't know, months ago to, to get seats for it. And because he grew up just outside of Iowa City, and it's hard as hell to see her in yeah. Iowa City. And he's like, this is my shot to see her. And um, it's the most expensive ticket for a nuts. basketball game in PBA on the secondary market. What's the number at now? Uh, your get-in price, if you want to sit in the 300 level, is about $340. My Lord. Iowa Russ may be selling that, and we may be going to the bar. <laughs> you know you know what I envision? I envision a lot of Nebraska fans. Mom and dad will come in Husker gear. Their, their daughters will come dressed in a 22 Iowa jersey. For sure. Can yeah. I? Is there a line, Gary, out there for – Nebraska winning and Caitlin Clark getting trucked again after the game yeah. on the court. Is that part of the prop? Can I bet on that? Hey, that would that would ruin a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, for Nebraska to win that basketball game, I mean, Nebraska needs a Nebraska needs to add to their resume on the women's side as well. Even though they're mm-hmm. looks like they're an eight or a nine. Yeah, and we have history no, next week. Showtime, Super Bowl should be good. Well, and you'll have I, I guarantee you will have a lot of celebrities will be in the building to support Nebraska on that day. That'll be big. Uh, any any hints? Any any celebrities reach well, you out? You know that Dylan Raiola will be there. Well, of course. Matt Rule, who will be there, who still has not taken down his tweet about the officials from Thursday night, which is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I was well, waiting for the Big Ten like to call up Trev and go, hey, you got to tell your football coach to delete that tweet. Is there going to be a GoFundMe for, uh, for, for a fine for Matt, Rule like, Matt Rule like old Chris Collins got? He left room for plausible deniability. He was <laughs> tweeting about Madden like he was playing his son Madden, something garbage happened. Mm-hmm. He's got plausible deniability. He's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Way to phrase it. Uh, that's the next episode. Next week, Big Ten officiating. Go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it was good. it was good to see that uh, Isaiah Pacheco's dad was working the game the other night. Oh Lord! Mm-hmm. Oh, the high, oh high knees, Jeffrey oh, high Anderson, knees Jeffrey, who yeah. <laughs> who is uh, not well liked in the Big East. He's not working as many Big East games this year, so he shows up in the Big Ten. Uh huh. And, and next year, it's hey, look, Jeffrey's off to the Pac two. <laughs> hey, Jeffrey inspired me. I'm bringing high knees to the baseball diamond this spring. When I'm when I'm making my way from first base to second base on a, on a double to the gap, you better believe I'm going high knees all the way over. Don't do it. Just just. <laughs> hey, so when you get done with the, uh, when you get done with the um, uh, plate meeting and you're working the bases, that's how you should run down the line to your position behind first base. High knees. There's no walking on the baseball diamond once that game gets going. If you're out uh, there. Show some hustle. Roger, I'm going high knees, baby. Roger, Roger Craig tribute. Sharpie, appreciate you much. Great, great recall there. Yeah, Roger Craig's high knees were impressive. Dude, he's the best. I loved the the Niner big red backfield. Rathman hey, and Craig and he's one of the best fullbacks. He's one of the best fullbacks Nebraska's ever had. Uh-huh. He was. <laughs> he was a fullback with the Niners his first two years, too. I mean, Mike Rogier pushed him to be a fullback. Think about Craig and Rogier on the same roster. Think about the freshman team in 1980 that beat the hell out of the uh, 
the varsity. Yeah. Gil, Fryer, Rogier. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad. You, you I, miss those, I miss those days of freshman Remington. Football. Yeah. Oh, God. Stein cooler. You, you, you talk about the uh, the high knees of Roger Craig, though, and I'll never forget uh, uh, we had uh, Slick Steele. Uh, rest in peace to, to Slick. He was a, a middle school football coach for us at the Union Bank Midget football team. And he'd always talk about Roger Craig's high knees, saying, like, if you tried to go low on Roger Craig, you're going home with a concussion. So, because you just get a knee to the jaw. Slick was uh, wide out, wasn't he, for mm-hmm. Nebraska? Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey know, wouldn't it be nice, you know, they've though. done a good job of, of opening up the door for former alums. Wouldn't it be nice to have a spring where you have a Rathman and Craig appearance in the stadium? It'd be good. We, we talked to, to Tom more, more often uh, than we, we should. <laughs> Coach is awesome. Uh, last time he was at a Home Depot returning his daughter's vanity. Uh, and uh, I think he, he uh, lived just down the road from Tom Brady, so he knew Tom, Tommy, yeah. as he calls him. Uh, but, but Rathman just he, – he gets back to Grand Island, he tells us, um, you know, a couple times a year. And then Roger, we talk with, with Roger's brother. He'll, he'll listen and call in. He's an over the road trucker. And, uh, you know, it just sucks for Roger to not be in yet. Yeah. The hall of fame. Well, it's, 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 it's just brutal. And I know we're a little bit homered with well, uh, no, no. How, much, he was, how much we, we he love, was, but his numbers, his numbers yeah. are legit. Yeah. And he was the first, you know, 1,000 yard receiver rusher. I mean, Marshall Falk's in. Yeah, he was before his time. Big time. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. we'll see if uh, RC can can get the, the veterans in. So, Sharpie, appreciate you, brother. I always love these chats, man. Thanks Thank for you. waking up with us. Thank you. It's so much better without Kranick. <laughs> Kranick's on assignment. Again, finding that five star wide receiver somewhere in this country. Hey, thanks, guys. Have a great week. See you, Sharpie.